Well, thanks, Pastor Tim. Hopefully I will cover those questions adequately. It's always a joy and an honor, a privilege, uh, a huge responsibility to stand in this pulpit to proclaim God's Word. So I don't take that lightly. Um, You know, typically, if you're here most Sundays, you know, this is not what we typically do, right? We usually start chapter 1, verse 1. But uh, as we were talking some as a pastoral team, and it's just I was spending time in prayer and reflection, this is where the Lord led me. Uh, For many of you, probably some familiar verses, but my hope and prayer is that that it will be an encouragement to us this morning as we look at these words that Paul wrote to the church there in Philippi. Here's my main point this morning. Here's my takeaway. I'm going to give it to you right from the outset. I kind of like to do that. You may start to pick up on that pattern in my preaching. As children of God, we are to be deeply concerned over the cares and the concerns of this life, and yet not anxious. So we're to care, we're to be deeply concerned, but not anxious. One of Paul's main themes in this letter to the Philippians is encouragement. He wants his readers to be encouraged in their faith. He wants them to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And my hope and my prayer this morning is that we too would be encouraged. That we would be encouraged to not be anxious, but instead to rest in the only sovereign, wise, King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul is writing from jail. He's most likely in a Roman prison. Now consider this. He's writing from a prison cell. Allow me to read these verses again. And as I do so, I want you to picture in your minds what might be the possible surroundings. Cold, hard floor, hard bed, limited light, Hunger, guards, uncertainty. And he says here in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the power of Your Word, that it's living and active, and it speaks to us even this day. And Lord, I pray that You use me now as a messenger to clearly communicate the message of this text, and that we as Your people would hold on to the great truth and the promises that we find here in Your Word. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Paul was one who clearly trusted in the sovereignty of God. He trusted in God's sovereignty. From prison, he's able to say here, rejoice. The sovereignty of God, it's a theological concept. It's something that many of us have heard of, many understand. And yet it's one of those truths that we need to return to again and again as Christians basking in the glorious truths related to the sovereign God that we serve. Here's, I think, the best way to think of God's sovereignty. It's in terms of control. He's the one in control, not us. He does whatever He pleases. We read that in Psalm 115. Our God is in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. There's not one inch of creation that is outside of His purview. 
He's Lord of all. In 1 Chronicles 29, we have this beautiful picture recorded by King David that exalts the Lord's sovereign reign over all creation. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from You, and You rule over all. In Your hand are power and might, and in Your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. This truth is so critical. It's critically important for us as believers to consider as we seek to do battle with anxiety. We're leaning into and trusting upon a God who is in complete control. Take a moment right now. Think on this. Reflect on this. What's weighing most heavily on your heart this morning? It could be a financial stress. It could be a lost loved one. It could be a medical diagnosis, a sick family member. It may be where God has you right now, the current place in life, your current work situation, your current ministry. Hear this. God is completely aware. He's completely in control. And He's completely for you in Christ. Fully aware, fully in control, fully for you in Christ. By trusting in God's sovereign control over over all things, Paul learned, he learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. Later in chapter 4, we get these verses from Paul. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was content because he had learned in whatever circumstance he was in, it was a God-ordained circumstance. Where are you this morning? Are you trusting your specific circumstances to the one who is aware and in control? Let's look at verse 5. Philippians 4 verse 5. This reasonableness... Or your translation may have graciousness, gentleness. I think what Paul is referring here is he's picking up on a theme he talked about earlier in chapter 2 of this letter. Where he says, look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Christianity is not an isolated religious experience. It's about community. It's about looking out for the needs and concerns of others, not just your own needs and concerns. And so Paul says here, let your reasonableness be known, for the Lord is at hand. The kingdom has come in Christ, and it will come in its fullness upon the return of Christ, a return marked by judgment. And therefore, Paul says here, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's shouting, believer, stand firm. Believer, hold fast. And I say to us this morning, that is the same message for us. Hold on. 
Be firm. Stand fast in the gospel. Let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then in verse, verses 6 and 7 here, we receive some of what I would consider the most challenging and yet at the same time the most liberating verses in all of Scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. On the face of it here, you might be thinking, seriously, Paul, do you understand my life? Do you get my circumstances? Do you know what my last week, month, year has been like? Well, maybe not exactly, but we, knew, we do know. Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know that all Scripture is breathed out by God, that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Recall again Paul's experiences. He's writing from a prison cell. He was one who was beaten, shipwrecked, persecuted for his faith. It's safe to say he had the authority and the right to make what may seem on the face of it a pretty audacious claim. And he had also experienced the radical transformation of the power of Jesus Christ at work in his own life. That same power, that same power according to Paul, the same power that raised Jesus up out of that grave resides in the hearts of believers. And therefore it's possible, it is possible through the transforming power of Jesus Christ to experience the peace of God in all circumstances. Jesus never experienced sinful anxiety and worry. He never once was sinfully anxious or too overly concerned. He was always appropriately concerned. Recall the death of Lazarus. Jesus wept. Recall his anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. There there was grief. There was anguish. Father, not my will, but your will. Be done. He felt deep pain and sorrow, and yet he was never anxious. By the power of God, through the Word of God, the life of Christ is being formed in you and me. Remember in Galatians, Paul there writing to the Galatians, he was in anguish. He wanted to see Christ formed in the believers. That's, that's what's happening by the power of the Spirit, by the Word of God. And so, So again, hear me this morning. It is possible. It is a potential reality to experience the peace of God. Paul says, do not be anxious. This is a command. It's not merely a good idea. We're commanded by Paul to not be anxious, but to in everything take it to the Lord in prayer. The key is to release it. To release it over to God in prayer. Prayer acknowledges our dependence on God, our inability to carry the weight and demands of life in a broken world on our own. And we're to make these requests known. We're to make them known to God. Even though God is all-knowing, we acknowledge our dependence on Him. We acknowledge that the cares and concerns of our family members and friends are dependent upon Him. And so we lay them before Him. We also see here that there's an appropriate flavor to our prayer how are we to pray we are to pray with thanksgiving 
Have you ever tried to pray with an ungrateful spirit? Well, Lord, I guess you have me here for some purpose, so I'm going to try and make the best of it. I'm not sure what you're up to. I'm not sure what you're doing. Things were going a lot better before all of this. Now, there are times where we question God and we don't fully understand His ways. This is true for all of us. But we must recognize an ungrateful heart cannot experience the peace of God. Let me say that again. An ungrateful heart, the absence of gratitude means an absence of peace. God is a God of peace. He desires for His children to experience His peace. This peace surpasses all understanding. It defies reason. It is clearly supernatural. It watches over the soul of the child of God as the guard keeps watch over the prisoner. Paul more than likely here is drawing upon his current circumstances to provide us a beautiful picture of the supernatural peace of God. It's peace that keeps the sons and daughters of God right where they need to be. Close to God. Clinging to His every promise. One summer in college, I worked for Womble Carlisle Law Firm in downtown Winston-Salem. Now for those of you that know me, you're probably thinking, Chad, that seems a bit of an odd job for you. I don't know that I ever have had any real aspirations to be an attorney. But... But I think if my memory serves me correctly, somehow my dad was able to help me get the job. He had a connection. You know, I was thinking air conditioning for the summer, downtown Winston-Salem. I can handle this. Well, my assignment, it led me to a warehouse off of Stratford Road. And out there, there was another college student just like me and the warehouse operator. So the three of us for the summer. Let's just say we got pretty close and the other student and I, our responsibility was we, we were to go through all the legal boxes. So it was just a big warehouse full of cardboard boxes of legal documents. And some of them, you know, it was time, okay, to shred them. Others we needed to pull. The, you know, the attorneys might need a file for whatever. So that, that was what we did. Well, the operator, he, he was responsible. He had the, the great privilege of driving the forklift. He got to pull all the boxes off of those shelves that we needed. And he was pretty awesome at this. I was impressed. He could, he could stack those boxes. He could maneuver that forklift on a dime. And let's just say I never had the opportunity to drive the forklift. Uh, those things require some kind of certification, right? But anyway, it was amazing to see the amount of weight that the forklift could handle. And, and the release in pressure when he would come drop us off a huge pallet of boxes. Forklifts are a pretty amazing invention. They're also very tricky, a very dangerous machine. They have a certain load limit. And that, friends, is where my knowledge of forklift operation ends. <laughs> For further instruction, see Tim Martin or Courtney Holt. But. Okay, so you ask, why, why all the talk of forklifts? Well, let, let's make a connection to our spiritual lives. We serve a God who has no weight limits. He is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He can handle all that we cast upon Him. And when we do cast our cares and concerns upon Him, there's an enormous release of pressure and weight 
We let go of the need to carry it all upon ourselves. We let go of the need to to make things happen. We entrust our lives and our circumstances to the only sovereign, wise King. Now what, what I'm not saying here is that we should avoid caring about the cares and concerns of life. It's, it's a little bit more easy to avoid becoming anxious and overwhelmed when you don't really care. But we know from the Scriptures this is not an option. Paul in Colossians 3 says that in whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You're serving the Lord Christ. So I think what we need to do here is we need to make a, a distinction. We need to make a distinction between appropriate concern and anxiety. Appropriate concern and anxiety. Anxiety is the response of turning inward when we're faced with the stressors, demands, and struggles of life in a broken world that results in a host of negative physical, psychological, and spiritual consequences. So anxiety is when we turn inward with all the stresses and demands of life. And this You know, think of anxiety on a continuum. We all struggle with it on some level, but the more extreme forms, it can be extremely debilitating. It can lead to to not even wanting to go out. It can lead to coming to the ER thinking you're having a heart attack, but it's actually anxiety. And so at times, that that can be the experience for for people. So it's very serious and, and, and something to be concerned over. But here's the distinction I'd like to make with appropriate concern. Appropriate concern is the response of turning to God, making our requests known to Him and trusting in His promises when faced with the stresses, demands, and struggles of life in a broken world. And it leads to the experience of peace and rest. Think back to my forklift analogy. Appropriate concern is placing the burdens on the pallet for the forklift to move and carry. Anxiety is when we strap on a back brace and think we can carry it all on our own. Note what's common between those two examples. We all, everybody, it's impossible. We live in a broken, fallen world, right? So stressors, demands, struggles, it's our reality. The question is to whom do we turn? One of our strongest weapons aids in the battle against anxiety is right thinking. Thinking rightly. It's often the irrational thoughts that lead to this inner turmoil, this excessive worry. Our emotions are influenced, I would suggest even stronger, they're dictated by our thoughts. That's where our emotions come from. And Paul addresses here the importance that we fill our minds with what's true and right. Look at verse 8 of chapter 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. At times, though, When anxiety is extreme, when it's more that excessive worry, it can become very difficult to replace the irrational thoughts with more rational ones. That is, in essence, the problem. It's the irrational thinking. 
Hopefully, for the person there, it, it becomes the case where they think more rightly. But it may be difficult in that moment with excessive worry to think in a, in a rational manner. So then you may ask, what's the hope? Is there any hope for that person? Look here closely at verse 9. I think there's a beautiful promise in this verse. Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The ultimate remedy for the anxious worrier is not ultimately a medication or a cognitive intervention or a support group or anything else ultimately. And again, I want to emphasize the word there, ultimately. Not that those things can't be helpful on some level, but the ultimate solution is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. The way we do battle with anxiety is to combat the lack of faith and trust, which is at the root of anxiety with the promises that are ours in Christ. At the root of the anxiety we experience is a lack of faith in the promises of God. Let me say that again. At the core, at the root of the anxiety we experience, we lack faith in the promises of God. When we're overly anxious, we lack faith in His goodness. I think we all experience several anxiety producers that are common. And I've, I've kind of indicated, and I'm going to go through now a few common ones. This is by no means an exhaustive list. But as I do so, I want us to consider, how can we release these cares and concerns to the one who is fully aware and fully in control, and how can we rest in His promises? That, that I think, is the key. It's a release and a resting. A resting in the promises of God. Okay, the first one here, money. Money or our possessions. We all know money is part of life. We can't avoid it. We have to pay bills. We have to buy our food. we got to get gas. We have to demonstrate to the IRS about this time, right? What we've received so that we can give back what we owe to Uncle Sam. We, we need to provide for our families. We need to balance our budgets. Give as much as we can. Jesus spoke a whole lot about money and the concerns with money. Not money in and of itself, but the love of money. It's a part of life, but it's a part of life we often experience anxiety over. Our anxiousness about money and possessions, it can oftentimes lead to other sins, like covetousness or hoarding what we have, unwilling to let go and give to others. What did Jesus have to say about this? Remember in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Let me read here, Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God knows what we need. He knows everything that we need, and He will provide. Not every want But all our needs will be taken care of. This is a promise we can bank on. Paul in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need, every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Again, a promise we need to cling to and bank on. Another common anxiety producer, our careers, our work, our school. School, academics, it can be a breeding ground for anxiety. Some of you current students, I'm sure you can identify. It, it, it promotes anxiety at times. But it's also a great place, a great opportunity to learn how to deal with anxiety. I think as Pastor Tim was mentioning, it is. It's possible to, to sin and make an A. And you might say, well, sure, yeah, if I cheat, if I get all the answers, I can do that. But I also think this excessive concern and worry, you know, to please parents or peers, or i gotta got to do this so I can get this job, make this money, get into this program, it can become excessive worry, anxiety that doesn't honor God. It can lead to other sins like pride, wanting to desire the praise of man more than God. Now clearly here, there's also a way to fail that can be a poor witness. When you, when you don't try, you don't give it your best effort. But I, I would argue there is. There's a righteous way to fail. If you give it all you've got, you try hard and, and you end up failing. And there's also a sinful way to make that A. Adults, I think the same is true for us here in our careers, our places of work. Sometimes in our work, anxiety fuels greater productivity. Right? The anxious person at times can get a lot done. And that's hard to give up. To give up being anxious may mean giving up success when it comes to the bottom line. But our anxious approach to work is ungodly. It's unpleasant to be around. For a believer in Jesus Christ, it's a poor witness. Personally, I love a to-do list. I don't know. Somebody, anybody agree with me there? Who likes the do list? Come on. If you, okay. I, you know, I just like a to-do list. It reminds me of my various responsibilities. What do I need to be working on? Uh, how do I need to prioritize? But I know for me, if I fail to approach my tasks from the outset with prayer, and if I fail to continually pray as I go about my tasks, I can become overly anxious. I see tasks as being dependent on me to make happen. Appropriate concern, however, recognizes the need to work hard as if working under the Lord. King Jesus is the boss of every Christian. And yet, after working hard, after giving it all we have, we release the outcomes and the results to Him. Another common thing here. Sickness, pain, and death. The reality of sickness, pain, and death. And as I, you know, just thinking about, thinking about this, this week as I was preparing, the past few weeks and months in our body, members, friends, and family members of members, the amount of sickness, pain, and suffering, it's significant. 
It, it can be overwhelming if we don't consistently take these needs and concerns to our Father. Oftentimes when we're anxious, we assume the worst. We like to confirm a diagnosis before one is given. We think that in some way if we assume the worst, that, that we have control over the present. That's the irrational nature of the anxiety. But appropriate concern releases the cares and concerns of our loved ones over to the one who is all-knowing, all-wise, compassionate, and good. It doesn't avoid medical advice and opinion, yet it doesn't put all its stock there either. It rests in the promise at the end of Romans chapter 8 where Paul says, For I am sure neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Family members. Another place we often experience excessive worry and concern. As parents and grandparents... You love your children and your grandchildren. You want the best for them. This is natural. But concern and care can easily become excessive worry over their safety and over their success. The concern to parent in a faithful, God-honoring fashion can easily turn into obsessing over whether or not you are parenting as you should. By releasing the needs and concerns of our children and grandchildren to God in prayer, we entrust them to the one who is far more capable of watching over them and keeping their life on course. A final one here I'd suggest is people. People prompt us to be anxious. The fear of man. For me, public speaking has in the past and at times still currently, it produces a certain level of fear and anxiety within me. Thankfully, the Lord has grown me in this area, but still at times I'm anxious. Thoughts like this come to the forefront of my mind. Chad, do you really have anything to say? Who are you to speak to this group of people? Do you not realize they already know what you're about to say? Most of them know it better than you. Do you realize where your life is out of place? Those lies come to the forefront of my mind. It It can lead to excessive worry and concern. I think we all deal with situations like this where we can become so overwhelmed, so burdened by the opinions of others that it paralyzes us in the present. We avoid acting with the boldness and the confidence that is ours in the Lord. We fear man more than we fear God. For you, this may be a boss. It could be a co-worker, a family member, your in-laws, someone with whom you know you need to share the gospel. It's important that we keep in mind we're ultimately performing for an audience of one. The only one that ultimately matters is your goal, is your aim to give praise and glory to the one who deserves your praise and glory. (coughs) Appropriate concern, it doesn't completely dismiss what others think. But it also doesn't place too much of a premium on what others think. What others think is always secondary to what God thinks. Now you might be thinking or asking, how? How is this possible? How is it possible that what others think is secondary to what God thinks? I think it depends upon a secure identity in Christ. The vertical has to set the trajectory for the horizontal. That is... My vertical relationship with God, where I am 
with Him. I'm trusting in Him. I'm secure in Him. My value, my meaning, my significance is with Him. It sets the perspective for the horizontal. But if that's not there, then you will consistently look for the approval, the the praise of man on the horizontal. God's mind is constantly on who we are in Christ. So should ours be as well. Remember the promise in Psalm 118, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? A few years back, the Lord laid upon the heart of Pastor Charlie to start a community ministry with the goals of helping people experience peace with God, coordinating efforts amongst churches and parachurch organizations to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible in southern Versailles, northern Davidson, surrounding counties and areas. Part of that vision was also to see individuals, couples, and families experience the peace of God in difficult and challenging circumstances. By God's grace and by His provision, that vision is becoming a reality as healing, help, and hope through the transforming power of Jesus Christ is being offered through Shalom Ministries. In the counseling that we do, we openly share our values and our Christian worldview. Counseling is not a value-neutral endeavor. That is, it's impossible to leave your values at home when you show up to the office. You can't do it. But at the same time, we never impose our values upon the clients we serve. We meet folks where they are. This at times as a counselor creates a longing when serving clients who don't experience peace with God, knowing that it's impossible for them to fully embrace and experience the peace of God without experiencing peace with God. Maybe think of it like this. The way that you become a Christian is when you realize you have a burden you cannot lift, namely your sin. And with thanksgiving, you submit your request to God. You trust in the cross of Christ as the only sufficient forklift to carry the burden of your sin. And on the cross of Christ, your sins and my sins are taken for what they are. They're carried as gross iniquities that offend a holy God, ultimately leading to the Son of God being crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. That's the gospel. The gospel is for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's also a great promise here in the gospel that when we're faced with various stressors and trials which make us all prone to worry, we get the opportunity to remember the gospel again and again. We're able to see these trials as small in comparison to our sin. Not completely insignificant, not that they don't matter, not that things don't hurt, but compared to our sin, they're small. Surely He who bore the weight of our sin can carry the weight of our fears and our worries. As we close, uh, I've asked Nathan and Amy to lead us in the Gospel song, a song that we've we've done a few times together. It's It's a simple song But in it, we we get the message of the gospel. The last line of this song says that by his death, I live again. 
If you're here this morning, you've never repented of your sin, you've never trusted in the cross of Christ as the atonement that can pay for your sin, I invite you to do so this morning. You can receive Him right where you are. You can come. You can kneel at this altar. Pastor Charlie's here. Pastor Tim. We would love to counsel with you, pray with you as needed. Brother, sister in Christ, if you're here this morning, if you're carrying a burden it's impossible for you to carry that you can't carry, I invite you to release it to the One who's able to carry it for you. Because of the death and resurrection of Christ, it is possible to live a new and different life. It is possible to experience peace. This altar is open for you as well. Respond as the Lord leads.